Hello, welcome to Eat the Scroll, a podcast where we study the Bible while teaching people how to study the Bible so that they can read their Bible, not just as information, but as food for their soul. Uh, with me recording today is Mr. Matt Rao. Hey, what's up? For the first time on the podcast, Monica Zink. Hello. Uh, Women's Ministry Director at, uh, at Mercy Hill Church, and we have a frequent, probably the most frequent podcast guest on Eat the Scroll, uh, Jess Miller. Hey, what's up? Okay. Professional. Professional podcaster extraordinaire. Um, and so today we are in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to try to just look at two verses today. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 2 and 3. Um, let me read them. It won't take very long, and then we're going to talk about them. Paul says, as he comes to the end of this letter, he says, I entreat Eudia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written, are, whose names are in the book of life. I couldn't even get through those two verses without <laughs> uh, messing up on reading them. So pretty straightforward uh, kind of the situation or the context here you have two ladies in the church Eudia and Syntyche and we don't know exactly what the situation is we're not told anything about these ladies anywhere else in the new testament uh, but there is some sort of disagreement between them what that happens i <laughs> i guess so and that is why we have Back monica then. our oh, women's, yeah. women's street director <laughs> with us today <laughs> to to explain to us how this works no to be fair uh i you know um just to be fair yeah the the apostle paul and barnabas you know in the book of acts had quite a disagreement amongst them uh on whether or not to take um, mark along with them on their second missionary journey so much so that they uh, that they kind of parted ways. Um, I think as you study the New Testament as a whole, you find out that that uh, that they were both kind of right um, uh, in some ways. But uh, just starting off here, just by way of observation, with these two ladies, and even though we don't know exactly what's going on, is um, Paul is entreating them, is the English word, or encouraging them, exhorting them to get or to to agree in the Lord. And yet he also, and while he exhorts them to do that, he also kind of very um, stealthily and masterfully weaves in some commendation. He calls them, you know, uh, these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together. So he's really giving them a commendation that they were co-laborers with him in the Lord. Uh, he says, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, so referring to them also as fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. And so um, as he entreats them to agree, he also kind of simultaneously is giving them a pat on the back and saying, you know, come on, guys. I don't know. I think the, I guess my initial observation, too, is just that um, it's possible for really, really good people people to disagree sometimes yeah <laughs> i think um just yeah one observation you already kind of pointed out eric is that the word entreat is repeated my bible says um plead so he's pleading with Udia and he's pleading with syntyche and so that's um you know kind of a nod to he's really really entreating them he's really really pleading with yeah. them and what is he pleading with them to do? He is pleading with them to be of the same mind in the Lord. And notice it says the same mind in the Lord, not to have the same mind. I think he, Paul recognized, I mean, he was in ministry, you know, full-time ministry. He recognized that people will not always agree on everything. 
But what we need to encourage each other and exhort each other with is to be of the same mind in the Lord. And to me, what that means is, you know, being in the gospel, reminding one another of the gospel um, together. That's kind of how we have the same mind in the Lord. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I've I've got some more thoughts on that, but what do you, you guys got anything to add so far? I yeah, know. I just reading those verses um, in chapter two, that was Paul's really exhortation to the church to be of the same mind, yeah. maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And then he goes through and he lists some specifics like, you know, don't be selfish and don't um, have an attitude. You should have an attitude with Christ and not to grumble. And so we don't really know what the disagreement is. And that's probably a good thing because it kind of covered all the bases. But he's really exhorting them what he intended for the church to begin with anyway. Look at sometimes we can get so tunnel visioned with our maybe zeal for ministry that we tend to pick up our own agendas and not become of one purpose and one mind. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And that, that little phrase he's both pointed out there, just in the Lord, um, we, we do have to decide early on sometimes in ministry in general, what are the hills that, that we'll die on and the hills that we're not going to die on. Or one of the ways we'll talk about it amongst the elders sometimes too is like what are the closed-handed things and what are the open-handed things. Um, if everything is closed-handed for you, like nothing's up. And I don't mean like, again, these like core theological issues about, you know, the deity of, deity of Christ and um, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. Um, but if secondary and tertiary issues are like also a closed-handed thing for you, you're going to have a very hard time um, getting along with anybody, even down to the, uh, you know, some of those um, things would even just fall into the category of just like preference or the way that you do things. Sometimes, again, just speculating what maybe the disagreement might have been on, and but I think maybe there's a little bit of a clue that he calls them, um, you know, his, uh, what's he use here, that, that have labored with him, um, and fellow workers is like sometimes um, you'll even see like an issue of like, I don't know, let's say you're trying to like uh, clothe and feed the poor somewhere and different people with different giftings will have different ideas on how to approach that problem first, you know, and sometimes we can be very passionate about the way we think the problem should be handled but in the end, what we're all trying to do is fix that problem and actually feed people or clothe people or bring the gospel to them and serve them. But sometimes, um, like I wonder if something, I don't know, I'm just speculating here and thinking out loud, but I wonder if something like that was maybe going on. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, it, whatever it was, it was big enough that Paul addressed it in this letter. Yeah. So it was kind of like the elephant in the room, most likely, that everybody kind of knew they had a disagreement, that they had a beef with each other. And, um, you know, that, that's one of my observations is, is, yeah, you know, would you please agree with each other? That's what the NIV says here, agree in the, in the Lord, agree with each other in the Lord. I think the other thing that's really striking to me is on down in, in verse 3, it says, help these women. In, in the NIV, at least it says that, help these women. So he's, he's actually calling on the church to help this. Um, yeah. A lot of times, like, you know, like, you know, two people have a conflict, 
go ahead and work it out. Obviously, it's it's bigger than that at this point because Paul's addressing in this letter. But it really is the job of the church to help with this as well. And sometimes we just don't want to deal with it. But that that's part of the church and even the early church, the messiness of disagreements and just personality conflicts and everything else that comes with the human race. Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, and it, as you kind of, excuse me, as you kind of like act like a detective in coming to the text. And again, we're, we're only going to be able on some level to just speculate, but as you're kind of thinking about it, it almost couldn't be one of those closed handed things that they were disagreeing about. Because if one of them was right, if one of them was like standing in a core doctrinal truth and the other one wasn't, Paul would just say, Hey, UD is right. Syntyche's wrong or Syntyche's right. UD is wrong or whatever. But he's it's like he's bringing him back to like hey please keep the main thing the main thing here and assumes that they it's maybe they're not gonna you know uh agree on everything like they're gonna have to agree to disagree but to do that in the lord um i think you make a great point too about paul doesn't sweep it under the rug you know sometimes in the church we let little spats go to where those things then, or we do try to sweep them under the rug, and pretty soon, you got a lot of dirt <laughs> under the under the rug, yeah. and uh, or a lot of trash, and it begins to smell. If you're going to tease out that analogy, and it, it actually you know creates a problem of culture, kind of in the atmosphere of the church. Um, Paul addresses it directly, yet I also appreciate, I guess, how he does it with I think kind of a a daft hand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so to yeah. speak, in some of those things. What else do you guys see? I think, too, that um, I think Paul makes it very clear because in the chapter, previous chapter, he's talked about people not walking according to the Lord and kind of intimating about false teachers or people who are not. But he really calls them true companions. Yeah. And he... These are people who are really believers. They're not just infiltrators, and he would have called that out. Um, But I do think that, you know, he's also, I agree, like with the church helped these women because in other letters, like in Titus, he talks about older women don't do anything to malign the word of God. And this disagreement hurts the very thing the church is supposed to be. And that is, again, in chapter 2, where he says, make my joy complete by being the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And that Jesus, again, going back, saying, they'll know by your love. And, you know, and Paul also talks in verse uh one in chapter four, stand firm, stand firm in the gospel. So all those things are continually be consistent. He's not, he's trying to say to these women, look at what the gospel is really saying, you know, love one another. We don't want to malign the word of God. We, we are light, we are salt. And this disagreement is opposed to all that. Yeah, and very specifically, like we've talked a lot on this podcast as you're looking at a text to, to draw a connection or to think through the connection between sometimes the commands and the promises. So here it's a very specific command to two very specific ladies. 
uh, and the command is to agree in the Lord. And you're like, well, what, where's the promise that goes along with that? Well, one of them is that their names are both written in the book of life. And so it's like, okay, how do we, how do I find strength? Like me and Matt aren't women, but it could happen between men as well. Uh, but like if me and Matt are disagreeing, wh- where do I find strength to be able to find common ground? I go to what is just true of us in the gospel is that Matt's name is written in the book of life, just like mine is. And man, that I think here's kind of the principle. I think, I think the gospel is so powerful and so unifying in what it does to us and what it gives to us all by grace that I think it actually gives us more freedom to disagree sometimes. Does that, make, does that make sense? It's like I think sometimes we think Christians have to like always like be on the same page with every jot and tittle all the way down the line when I think in reality we're so unified in what Christ has done for us that like, you know, I don't know if Matt likes Subarus more than Fords, then oh, that's, so yes. then that then that's accepted. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm making up a silly example here on the fly, but but I mean, you, you know what I mean? Well, like we I, have to be. I think sometimes you know we see in churches a lot of times they think unity means you have to look exactly like everybody else. Like it's a cookie cutter thing, and everybody has to do exactly the same method that I do. And I think you know sometimes even in ministry we see this, and I think you know. You made a case for it earlier, which I would I would you know tend to agree with. Obviously, we don't know exactly what's going on here, but it sounds like both of them have done are in ministry work, and there's probably some kind of preference that rubbed the one person the wrong way, or this or that, or I want to do it this way. This is the best way we should be doing it this way, and the other ones I don't know about that. Yeah, and and who knows? Maybe that's where the disagreement came out of. Well, and I think that the word that comes to mind there is that you're describing is uniformity mm-hmm. over just unity. You know, yeah. unity is not uniformity. Unity actually strongly implies diversity, right? That there's going to be different things that, you know, that were, that were different on in a lot of different ways, but we have something so central to what Jesus Christ has done for us that it, that it holds us together. Um, and I think part of, I actually think this gets in another conversation about like, I think it's actually the, the role, one of the roles of church leadership is to help define within a local church what those closed-handed things are and what those open-handed things are in terms of like, hey, these are the hills. Closed-handed things being like, these are the hills we're going to die on. These are the, um, you know, where we're not going to debate these things. This is what's true. This is what you're going to hear. And then some of these other things, not that they're not important, but like we believe that there's room for, uh, you know, disagreement and Jess, you were, it's, it's like, I feel like you were like freaking out there for a second when I said that like the gospel so unites us that, um, that it, uh, that maybe it, it actually gives more room to disagree. Was I unclear what I said or what, what do no. you, what were you thinking? No, no, you weren't unclear. I think I just, I had one of these moments on the last podcast. I feel like where I just, my mind gets blown. Um, I think that is really interesting because I think about, uh, one of the ministries at church that we're in that I'm involved in. And then I was thinking about what you said about how unity through Jesus actually implies diversity. And I think just in my own personal experience, I can see that that's true because in our young adults ministry, for example, we have people of all backgrounds and all even ages and, you know, family types and things like that. And yet we're all united because of the gospel and because of Christ. It really is kind of a random group of people (laughs) on the outset, but yet I think the the one thing that unites us all is the gospel. So in that we do have 
we can walk in the freedom that the gospel gives and that, yeah, that does imply a lot of diversity there. Yeah, I, I think one of the things um, that we'll hit a lot of times too, in terms of, uh, I don't know, just from a, an elder perspective, I guess with people, is I think people sometimes think of unity as a root rather than a fruit. So, mm-hmm. so what I mean is we can't be unified around unity. So sometimes, um, and this is, I hope I don't <laughs> sound too cynical here, but to give an example yeah. is like um, when I get invited to certain like uh, pastors, luncheons, or like ministerial alliance. Should I not wander into this? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to. You're gone. Um, Sorry like, there. Like ministerial alliances <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that. It's like I, I get that we want to be unified even like across um, leadership and different congregations uh, within a certain locality. However, there are certain things that we ha- like our unity has to be based on something. And if it's not, and it has to be based on the gospel, and again, and and that we agree that some of these hills are worth dying on, and that w- there's other ones that we agree we're going to hold open-handed. And then out of that comes unity. When you set the person and work of Jesus Christ at the center of it, unity really becomes a fruit rather than a root. But it's kind of like sometimes we go, let's be unified around unity, and, let's, and we should be unified, we should be unified. Mm-hmm. And then you try to be unified, and it's really hard because we haven't been clear about what we're being unified around. Does that make sense? And so we have to set I would ag- the person work of Jesus that. Christ at, the, at um, the center of it. I think if you're unified in and grounded in the gospel, then you're looking at people or engaging with people and not judging them. And so, like you said, you have a, a diverse group of people, so we're not when we're unified in the gospel and Jesus and being of sound mind, and we have this one purpose, um, then we're not looking and saying, oh, well, they're not dressed like that, so they must not be Christians. Or, you know, we we start doing superficial judgments. Um, But if we have one purpose and one mind and are unified, then... um, we are free yeah. to disagree. Well, and it also it also helps you to prioritize at times what's really important. So, for example, um, thinking about like uh, just the message of the gospel that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ mm-hmm. alone, that we would adamantly hold to. And uh, like I was talking earlier about like um, more social justice issues of of uh, uh, feeding the hungry and you know clothing and housing the poor and and stuff like that. Both those things are important, but, um, and it, again, I, I don't think it's all, it, it's an either or. Like, I think the church can do both. Like, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. However, there is a priority in that. Like, the pri- to, to feed people and clothe people without giving them the message of the gospel is to not ultimately accomplish or pursue Christian mission, right? I would argue. So now, again, can we usually can we usually do both? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, but yet, it does help us to rightly, um, I don't know, set our sights on the correct target and to not uh, get off base on some of those. Well, things. I think that's what happened with the early church with Stephen. I mean, the widows weren't being fed, and there was this disagreement. Like, you need to do this. Yeah. Take care, and those that were preaching the gospel said, well, we need to invest in preaching the gospel. And so the needs were there 
And the church, which is gifted with the people in the church, they separated out. Okay, you can meet this need so that the people that are preaching the gospel can spend time doing that. Um, sometimes I think, um, like with these two women, I don't know, I was thinking about you know men having disagreements and women having it. And I'm a woman, but I think women tend to be better at keeping grudges than men. I mean, men Ooh, can fight went, it out and older. just... Only if, only if you say so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's face it, you know, even yeah. in school, kids, boys will beat each other up. And then if you have a ball game, they'll say, hey, can we play? Yeah. Where girls are like, um, are like, well, they won't be my friend because this and that. So I think in this situation, this is... I you know, uh, designated here is you've got two women who probably are not able to come to an agreement and not hold maybe a grudge. I also think that sometimes people can be very territorial since they labored with Paul, that they might have become very territorial in their in their own respective ministries. In their own maybe. respective Whatever ministry. Would, yeah. And if one of them tried to, hey, say, I'll help you out and I'll do this. And, you know, it's could. And maybe this is for this purpose that we don't know the specifics because then somebody doesn't say, well, I don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, But you, it encompasses a lot. You know, another thought I had with that, too, is um, or kind of an image that comes to mind. And again, not knowing all the specifics, but we know just enough to, you know, kind of, I think this is what the Bible invites us to do here, which is maybe a good place to hit pause. And again, we talk about not just studying the Bible, but teaching you how to study the Bible is I think this is part of what the, the Bible invites you into is to like, is to use a sanctified imagination and to meditate upon it and to, you know, think about what could have going on, could have been going on. Um, and it, it can help bring a lot of clarity and different things. But sometimes when you are, um, when you're like really in the fight, you know what I mean? And these two women, I think on some level were in the fight. Paul, again, the apostle Paul calls them fellow workers. Like that's a, that's a really good, yeah, Yeah. it it really is. Right. Um, so they're, they're in the battle, but you know, you think about like a soldier who has been in the battle a long time. And when you're in the fight and you just kind of get in that mindset, it is very easy to like all of a sudden like possibly turn your gun towards, you know, and point it towards somebody that you think is an enemy but but isn't. But it's just because you're so you're so in that 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 battle mindset. Does that make sense? And I think sometimes when we're really in the battle for the ministry and trying to, you know, move the ball forward for the sake of the gospel, I think it's very easy to um begin to point the guns at one another at times within uh, within the church, and we have to b- just be careful about that, and we have to come back and uh, preach the gospel to ourselves. And again, I th- we touched on it earlier, but maybe we can talk a little bit about this as we you know begin to eventually land the plane here on this podcast. But but the idea of needing somebody else, he just mentions here. We don't know who it is, but he says, verse three: Yes, I ask you, true companion, um, help these women who have, now we don't know exactly who this is. I think it's. It literally like translates like yoke fellow. Is that what you're? Yeah, that's what the, the NIV, NIV says. NIV says, um, and so we don't know exactly who this is. But again, for in however they knew it, somehow in the context when this is actually being written to the Philippian church, they knew who they were. Or perhaps some commentators think that uh, Paul was just referring to the entire church here as the 
the true companion or yoke fellow to come alongside and to help. Um, but that this is part of gospel ministry as well is helping to make peace, uh, reconciliation. Um, that's uh, I, that's something that I don't think we do a very good job of applying the gospel to at times. I think we are just, because it's messy work, we don't want to have awkward conversations at times, but I think it should be an absolute regular part of our discipleship because it's not as if we today don't have disagreements, Mm -hmm. right? That's not it at all. Um, We have them. I think we're just more apt to like, yeah, yeah, let's just ignore that and just, you know, talk about (laughs) something else. And then, and in the meanwhile, there is an elephant in the room and the elephant eventually begins to grow and sides. Well, well, and also too that, um, the church is really helping these women to pull back and give an, an objective view. They're subjective yeah. with each other. Yeah. And sometimes, well, a lot of times we need other believers in our lives to preach the gospel and to pull us back so we have more of a subjective, uh, an objective view, yeah. not sub- objective, and just say, now look at this. And sometimes when when that happens, it doesn't necessarily even have to be a disagreement. Maybe it's a, a core issue or just a conviction we have that we think everybody else should have or whatever. Um, we need other believers to come alongside of us to give us a different perspective. Yes, and there is not one person, there's not one Christian who has ever existed that will not and does not need that at certain, right. certain seasons right. of their life. I think that's the thing. Is nobody is ever above this. Um, like If I can just jump over to Ephesians a little bit, um, just a cross-reference that kind of ties in with this. But in talking about a spirit-filled life, you know, he says, um, Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And again, it's the idea of like be being filled, just continually seeking to yield yourself um, to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He goes on, he says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God our Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's giving descriptions here of what a spirit-filled life looks like. And then he also says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so uh, a willing submission to other members of the body of Christ is a mark of being filled with the Spirit. And so this is something that like it's not a like when we have to submit to somebody it's like oh i'm just i'm so bad and i was so wrong and now i've got to submit no it's actually a mark of being filled with the spirit you know that uh, we're all going to have to do this and we should do it regularly like i think part of the problem with like um uh church discipline so when we when i say the word church discipline usually where most of our minds go is like to the nth degree of some sort of you know in a sin that's been committed and somebody's walking in hard hardness and refusing uh, to turn from it. But uh, church discipline should actually be a regular part of every single one of our lives where we're just mutually edifying one another and um, working to sharpen one another and to challenge one another and exhort one another uh, to follow the Lord. But because we don't do that, then many times it gets rolled up to the mm-hmm. to the nth degree because those things don't take place. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we talked a little bit earlier um, 
uh, when we started. But, you know, even Paul, Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. I'm looking right. at here in Acts, you know, and, yeah. you know, there was such a sharp disagreement between them, partly because, uh, you know, Barnabas wanted to take Mark, John Mark with him, you know, and that's part of his, how he was wired. Right. You know, I yeah. think that's, that's another thing. Like sometimes we, we see things differently because we have different passions and we're wired differently. So, so with, with Barnabas, I think he was just really wired for, for people. In fact, if you go back earlier in Acts, he's the one that actually gave Paul a chance and said, Hey, church, this is the real deal. Let's, let's accept him. Everybody was freaking out at Paul because, <laughs> yeah. because the, he, they knew him as the guy that was going around arresting Christians. Yeah. But Barnabas is the guy that brings him in. And again, by the yeah. way, it's awesome that Barnabas, um, have you ever, guys ever done a study on nicknames in the Bible? You know, Barnabas was like his nickname. His real name was Joseph of Cyrene, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. Um, but, uh, or no, not so, it was Joseph, but of some place. Anyway, um, yep. But his nickname was Barnabas, which just means son of encouragement. Yep. And so he was very much this encouraging shepherd that brought Paul in. And then he also, um, you know, wants to, even though Mark had, uh, had freaked out and left him when things got hard on the first missionary journey, he's like, no, let's not give up on him. And, you know, Paul being more of like the, the hardcore prophet, like, you know, going black and bl- white. Yeah. Black, yeah. black yeah. and white guy. He's <laughs> like, he's like, no way, man. He flaked out on us once. We're not, uh, we're not doing that again. And so, yeah, I think gifting plays a plays a big part in it. And I think that's where we have to appreciate how God puts the body together yes. yeah. because we need those black and white people. Mm-hmm. And we right. also need those people that will be more mm-hmm. gracious and merciful yeah. to those right. who blow it. And, um, and, you know, that's, and sometimes we look at, maybe in the body think one gifts better than another and more spiritual than another, but they are all essential. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they are all essential and we have them all because we need them all. So um, real quick, just closing thoughts. We need to begin to land the plane on this episode, but any closing thoughts on any of this? Well, I would agree with, with what Monica just said you know, about the church as a whole. I also think that's why you have a plurality, and that's one reason at Mercy Hill we, we believe highly in a plurality of eldership, plurality of leaders. You need each other to help fill in those those blind spots that you may have, um, and we all have them. We all have blind spots. Yeah. Any closing thoughts, guys? I think um, just reading those two verses again, just going back to chapter 2, And just, if I'm going to apply it to my own life, to look at where am I being selfish or where am I thinking more of myself and my agenda over another person? You know, just um, looking at Paul's, just his exhortation, um, am I being like-minded with others? Am I in unity? Um, and just evaluating that and asking the Lord to search me to know where those areas can creep up. Because to be quite honest, that's where the enemy is going to work best in the church, being divisive. Yeah. And just kind of, it, and then our flesh just kind of like, oh yeah, that's, you know, being offended easily. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's great. I think, yeah, too, just a call for myself to, Again, like Monica, you were saying, asking the Lord to search my heart and help me to let go of the things that I've been clinging on to that are, you know, second or third issues and, and, um, yeah, exhorting myself and, 
and exhorting all of us to just be of the same mind in the Lord. Cool. Awesome. Well, we hope that you have found this episode helpful as uh, you study the Bible and hopefully not just uh, study the Bible, but kind of been learning how to study the Bible for yourself and uh, can read it not just as information, but as food for your soul. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you.